Brother Terry, Sister Patty McIntyre have a new grandbaby. Miss Lauren, uh, our, uh, we prayed last last week, didn't we, for her, and uh, uh, she had the baby on Wednesday evening, right before church time. Wednesday, it's at five, at six fifty-seven p.m. Seven pounds three ounces. Emerson Emmy Lynn Hunt. And uh, we, we thank the Lord for everything working out well. God had his hand uh, upon that family, has his hand upon that family, and we praise the Lord for that. All right. Give them a hand. Yes, congratulations. Well, praise God. Well, today's Mother's Day. I guess we know that by now, don't we? Amen. And it is very fitting. I think it's a very fitting thing. That, um, that moms have their own day because most of the important things that we have learned in life, we learned from our mothers. I, and all the mothers would say amen to that. But that is true. I, uh, I miss my mom. She has been with the Lord since 2000. So for 23 years, coming up on 23 years, she's been in heaven with the Lord, and I miss her. And there were times that I... Uh, <laughs> get a little uh, uh, aggravated or frustrated with her, especially especially when she'd take me to school and drop me off to school, you know, and uh, maybe I had a little bit of breakfast on my face and she'd spit in, a nap, uh, spit in a Kleenex and wash my face. I didn't care much for that, but that's just something that moms do. Amen. And <laughs> Dr. Fauci probably would not approve, but... Nevertheless, that's just something that moms do. But, you know, George Washington said that the greatest teacher, he said, my greatest teacher that I ever had was my mother. Abraham Lincoln, another famous man that we're all aware of, said, all that I am or ever hoped to be, I owe to my angel mother. So mothers are very important because they teach us. They've taught us a lot of things. When you think about some of the things that our mothers have taught us over the years. You know, it was our moms who taught us about anticipation because it was, it was mom that always said, well, you just wait till your father gets home. It was our moms who taught us about logic because she would always say when we asked, well, why? She would say, because I said so, that's why. It was our mothers who taught us about planning ahead Taught us about how to plan for the future because it was her who always said, be sure you have on clean underwear in case you're in an accident. It was our moms who taught us about genetics when she said, you know, you're just like your father. It was our mothers who taught us about irony when she would say, you just keep laughing and I'm going to give you something to cry about. Our moms taught us about stamina. And she said, now you just sit there until you finish that spinach. Our mothers taught us about the weather when she would go into our room and say, you know, your room looks like a tornado has come through here. Our mothers taught us about the circle of life when she would say, you know, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. <laughs> our mothers taught us about prayer because she would say, you better pray that that stain comes out of that carpet. <laughs> but there was a lot of things that our mothers taught us, and our mothers are very important to our life. And I want to read in the Bible this morning about a mother in the book of Matthew, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 15. Uh-oh. I want you to turn, if you would, there to Matthew chapter 15. And let me read beginning with verse number 21. Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 21. And they'll have it up on the screen, all right? But I want to talk to you today about a mother who wouldn't give up. A mother who wouldn't quit. And this is, this is a, the kind of moms I believe that God wants uh, our mothers to be, that wants you to be today. A mother that will not quit. In verse 21 of Matthew chapter 15, it says that then Jesus went out from there and departed to the regions of Tyre and the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, 
son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he, Jesus, answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But Jesus answered and said, it was not, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she, this mother, came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But Jesus answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. And then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Thank you, Father. Add your blessing to this word today. In Jesus' name. A mom that wouldn't quit. I love this story, this account that is given here in Matthew chapter 15. Because Jesus here gives an account of a mother that had a daughter that no doubt this mother loved more than life itself. But somehow this daughter had come under the power of the devil. Somehow this young lady, this daughter had become demon possessed. And the mother just did not know what to do. Now, this lady wasn't a Jew. She was a Gentile, and she was in a pagan land, and she worshipped pagan gods. But she'd been hearing about this Jewish Messiah that was known as Jesus. The fame of Jesus had spread from Galilee all the way up to the coasts of Tyre and Sidon where this woman had lived and where she did live. And she had heard about all of the mighty miracles that were being performed by this Messiah, by this prophet of God, by the, by, by the Lord Jesus Christ. And she was determined that if ever she had the opportunity, if ever she came to the place, or if she could get her, get her daughter to the land or the region of Galilee where this prophet was, she was determined to go to Jesus and ask him to heal her daughter. She did have faith that Jesus could do for her what he was doing for everybody else. And so he came, Jesus came to her area. And when he did, she found out about it and she sought him out. And the thing about I love about this, that this mother is that she would not be discouraged. She would not be deterred. She would not be stopped. She was the mother who would not give up and a mother that knew how to pray. And she was a mom who would not, not only did she know to go to Jesus and how to pray, him, but she knew she would not take no for an answer. And the thing that we find out in this story that's very interesting is that Jesus commended her as having great faith and as being an example of what persistent faith will accomplish in someone's life. Now, when we talk about this woman, this mother, she who was this woman? Well, the Bible just tells us in verse number 22 that she was a woman of Canaan. Mark describes her in Mark's gospel in chapter 7 of Mark as a woman that was a Greek, that she was a Syrophoenician woman. She was in the land, lived in the land of Tyre and Sidon. And as I said, she worshipped false gods, but she had heard about Jesus. And she needed help, and her daughter needed help. Because her daughter, the Bible says there in verse 22, her daughter was severely demon-possessed. So she was, was under the complete control of the powers of darkness. This young girl was in a terrible condition and there was nothing that this mother tried, nothing that she had tried to do had, had been able to help her daughter. Her pagan gods couldn't do anything, but the more she prayed to those pagan gods, the worse things got. It just grew worse and worse and wor worse. 
And so finally this mother saw the futility of worshiping and trusting in these gods. And so she came to the right source. She came to Jesus. See, Jesus, and, and, and you know, nothing happens by accident in the Bible, in the Gospels, amen. And Jesus just happened to be visiting the land of Tyre and Sidon. And this was the only time that Jesus had entered into this land of the Gentiles of Tyre and, Sp- uh, of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus had spent his entire ministry, nearly all of his ministry, just around the Galilee area in Galilee and then around Jerusalem but for some reason he leaves Galilee he leaves that area to go into the place into the country of Tyre and Sidon which was a Gentile nation a Gentile pagan area there weren't any Jews up in that area there weren't any Israelites up in that area if it was if it was us today it would be a place where there weren't any churches or there weren't any Christians they were just all pagans and pagan worshipers and you know he decided to leave Galilee he's in Capernaum he's been teaching to the people there and he decides he says we're going to Tyre and Sidon and this was not just down the street ladies and gentlemen but it was, if you'll look on a Bible map it was several hundreds of miles from the area of Galilee to where Tyre and Sidon was and when Jesus says that he's going into the region of Tyre and Sidon this just makes absolutely no sense to the disciples at all to because this is a really really bad timing and I can imagine Peter and James and John and Andrew and these other disciples thought this is not the right time to be leaving to go somewhere else because excitement and momentum about Jesus ministry was building up I mean if you read the context uh, uh, of what had just happened Jesus had just fed 5,000 with five loaves and two fish and they were talking about making him king and I mean everything was about to come to a to an apex and to a climax in his ministry it was growing it was getting greater the miracles were being performed and people were being healed and then all of a sudden Jesus says we're leaving here we're leaving here. We're going to Tyre and Sidon. We're going to another country. And I can imagine the disciple says, what in the world is wrong with him? Why in the world would he leave when everything's going so good? Why would we want to go to Tyre and Sidon? And you know what? I can tell you why. Do you know why Jesus left? Because everything Jesus did, everything he did, he was led by the Holy Spirit. He was submitted completely and totally to the will of God, and he was totally led by the Holy Spirit in everything that he did. And so Jesus, no doubt led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, you need to go to Tyre and Sidon. It didn't make any sense to the disciples, but that's where they're going. How many times has the Lord ever led you in some direction or said something that it just didn't seem to make any sense? But I'm going to tell you, God's got a plan and God's got a purpose. If you'll just follow his leading, it'll all work out can I get an amen today amen praise God but the reason Jesus left and went to Tyre and Sidon the Holy Spirit led him there but the Holy Spirit knew that there was a mother up there who had a demon possessed girl and who needed a miracle and needed an answer to prayer and you know what that tells me Jesus takes time for individuals he left the crowds 20,000 people were there on that mountain when he fed 5,000 men not counting and women and children, 20,000 some of the estimates are that were there that he fed with those loaves and fishes. But here he's going to leave that multitude. You know why? Because Jesus is that good shepherd that will leave that 90 and 9 to go to that one that is in need. Hallelujah. Sometimes we feel like we're all alone and that the Lord's ministering to everybody else and he's helping everybody else, but why won't he help me? But oh, I can tell you he knows where you're at today and he knows what you're facing today and he knows what you're feeling today and he knows what you're going through today and he's ready to meet your need and leave the 99 to minister to you personally and one on one come on 
I believe that's why you're here in this service today. And here Jesus is going out of his way to minister to one Gentile woman. He did the same thing when he got on that boat and told the disciples, we're going to the other side. And he passed over into the land of the Gadarenes. There was one demon-possessed man over there in Gadara that needed to be set free. Come on, somebody. It didn't say that he healed anybody else, but I can tell you one thing he did in Gadara. He set that demoniac free and delivered him. The Lord will minister to your individual. He cares about you. He loves you. He's for you. He spoke that to us this morning. He's on your side. He wants to help you in every area of your life. Amen? So Jesus is there in Tyre and Sidon, and this meeting takes place in verse 22. This woman, this Syrophoenician, this Canaanite woman, she hears that Jesus, can this actually be true? Jesus, this Messiah, this Jewish prophet has come to my town, to my region. And she goes out to meet him and she says in verse 22, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Well, you know, Jesus, when the centurion came out and said, You know, uh, my servants at home grievously vexed with the palsy. Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He said, oh, no, no, you don't, don't, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. Just speak the word. Say the word, my servant be healed. And, you know, the blind came to Jesus, said, Lord, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we need healing. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? Oh, we need to see. We want to be healed of our blindness. And Jesus said, be as your faith is, be it unto you. And so he's healing people everywhere. And now he's entire inside. And I believe he goes there for the specific purpose of ministering to this woman And he gets there and she meets him and she says, Oh, have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on me, son of David. My daughter severely demon-possessed. And the response that Jesus gives to her is, He doesn't even answer her a word. He says absolutely nothing to her. Have you ever had anybody just totally ignore you? Anybody ever have that? You try, <laughs> you try to talk to somebody or whatever, and they just act like you're not there? Amen. Anybody ever been there? Well, when that happens to me, you know what I do? I think, well, okay, tough. You missed out on a good conversation. You ain't going to talk to me. I ain't going to talk to you. Amen. And that's the way a lot of people would feel about that situation. But here she is. You know, Jesus is totally ignoring her. I mean, this is a helpless mom that's crying out. This is a woman that comes to Jesus with passion in her voice. Lord, have mercy on me. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. And Jesus just looks away like she's not even there. There is no response from him whatsoever. But here's the thing that I love about this woman. That even though there's no response from Jesus, she what does she do? Does she turn away and say, well, okay. You, you know, you, you know, be like some people walking out of a church saying, well, I ain't going back there. That pastor didn't even shake my hand. Well, what about this woman? She won't even get a, she's not even getting a response from the Lord at all. But you know what she did? It didn't bother her in the least but what it did cause her to do when he ignored her and she wasn't getting an answer she just became more persistent she will not stop I mean even the disciples said get her out of here Lord send her away they wanted her to get rid of her I mean she's making a scene she's crying after us Jesus just make her leave but I'm going to tell you what even though the disciples wanted her gone even though Jesus wouldn't even respond to her answer or give her an answer this mother is not going anywhere are you listening to me today she's not going anywhere because she is determined that she is going to get an answer from the Lord Jesus Christ she is a deter- she is determined that she will not be denied and that she is going to be a model of faith for us all on how 
now to get our prayers answered and to get Jesus to do something in our life. And I don't know. Maybe you're here today and I think we've all been in this place where we've brought a need or a problem to the Lord and it felt like that he was not responding or not hearing and not answering. But oh, maybe we've given up and thought, well, God's not going to answer that prayer. God's not going to meet that need. But I'm going to tell you, we've got an example here of how to get a breakthrough, how to get what you need from the Lord, and that is to make up your mind that no matter how the situation looks, hallelujah, I will not be denied. I'm going to hang on with tenacity to the promise of God and pray and believe until I see the glory of the Lord revealed in my life. Go ahead and give him praise today. She ain't going nowhere. I mean, you know, this starts, this all starts with Jesus not even responding. It starts with him not even speaking to her. And comes to the place where at the end he's saying to her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. How do you get from no answer to the Lord saying, You got great? You got great faith. You can have whatever you want. What happened between no response and great faith? I'll tell you what happened. She had a genuine, persistent faith that would not stop, would not quit, would not give up. Woo! Hallelujah. Well, I'm going to tell you, if this Gentile woman could get through, you can get through. Are you with me? She faced a barrier in her. You know, when we face barriers, we have obstacles. We have things that come against us. You know, the the enemy's not just going to let prayers go through. He's going to do everything he can to stop uh, your prayers from being answered. And sometimes the Lord is. It seems like the Lord's not answering. And there's barriers. But here was a woman that even though she had a barrier, she took that barrier and turned. Oh, glory to God. I'm about to shout on Mother's Day. She turned a barrier into to a bridge to get her to from a place of, of, of no response to a place of complete victory and total deliverance from her daughter. Amen. See, this woman needed Jesus. She needed help from the Lord. I mean, her daughter's condition is what brought her to the Lord Jesus Christ. This condition of her daughter, this crisis situation, is what brought her to the place of prayer, to calling upon the Lord, and I believe also to a place of salvation. Because here is a pagan Gentile woman that's coming and saying, have mercy on me, Lord. Do you ever, have you ever known of anybody asking the Lord for mercy and Jesus not giving them mercy? Come on, somebody. No matter who they are. I mean, His mercy is endures forever and his mercy is great and abounding and she calls upon the Lord and she asks the Lord to intervene in her life and you know sometimes and this was a crisis that brought her to the Lord and sometimes I think we all realize this sometimes it takes a bad it takes something bad in a person's life to bring them to Jesus Amen? Let me say that again. Sometimes it takes some bad thing to happen to bring somebody to Jesus. Because when everything's going good, we don't feel the need to pray many times or to look to the Lord and everything's going well. But you just let a crisis come. You let an emergency arise. You let something bad happen. And you know what? It brings people to the Lord. Does God cause the crisis? It wasn't the Lord that, that, that possessed this woman or caused this woman, this young lady to be demon possessed. But God will use those things and those crisis situations 
situations to turn us to the Lord. Amen. He will allow things to happen sometimes to get our attention. Ain't nobody hearing what I'm saying today. Amen. To get our attention to turn us to Him because I'm telling you He is the only one that can help us no matter what our crisis situation is. We saw this very thing happen in 2001 on, on 9-11 when the, uh, on the attack of the World Trade Center, you know, and, and uh, what happened there. I mean, when, when there was that attack on that Tuesday, September 11th, I remember it well. It's one of those events in our life that wherever we were that day, I mean, we, we can remember right where we are or were when we saw the news of the Twin Towers being attacked and falling. But I remember when that happened. That happened on a Tuesday. I was, on, I, was go, uh, I was going that night, on that Tuesday night, to preach at the Hurryville, uh, Hurryville, Hurryville Free Will Baptist Church. And I was preaching for their men's meeting that night and ministering. Brother Bill Gibbs was with me. And, and, uh, and we were going uh, out there to preach. And I was going out there to preach. And I ministered that night. It was on a Tuesday night. I preached. had a pretty good crowd of men. I preached to the men that night. Night, and uh, after the service was over, when everybody was getting ready to leave, the parking lot was filled up. Listen to me, nobody called a special prayer meeting, but people were filling that parking lot of that church and coming in to pray. You know why? Because America was in trouble. America was in trouble. There was a crisis situation, and we knew we were in trouble, and we needed to get a hold of God. That Sunday after 9 11, the churches were filled to capacity. Backsliders were coming back to the Lord Jesus Christ. People were getting saved. God was give, had given us a wake-up call that we needed Him. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this today. We're in trouble today. I said America's in trouble today. I said this nation is in trouble today. And it better be a wake-up call. I hope we don't have to get to another 9-11. But whatever it takes, God shake us up. God wake us up. God, whatever crisis it takes, bring us back to the church and to the altars and back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. But I saw the, the people come to the churches. There was a courthouse prayer vigil at the St. Francis County Courthouse. And uh, the place was full. You couldn't get another person around there of people that had come together to pray and to seek the face of God. But the sad thing was that all of that was only temporary because once the crisis was over, everybody went back to their old way. See, it's good to turn to the Lord in trouble, and we need to do that. But let me admonish you of something this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Hallelujah. Once, you, once that trouble is over and the Lord helps you out, don't forget the Lord. Don't forget what He's done for you. Don't forget how He has helped you and brought you through. Jesus ignored her and then Jesus said to her, I've only been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And the Bible said that she came and she, she, she worshipped the Lord and she said to him, Lord, help me. And then Jesus responded to her with these words. Now he's already ignored her. He's already refused to speak to her. But then he says to her, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. <laughs> not only would he not talk to her, now when he does, he said, you're a little dog. I ain't, ain't nobody going back to that church. <laughs> Preacher wouldn't shake my hand. Nobody would talk to me. Now they're calling, now they're saying, I, I'm, you know, calling me names. So I, ain't, I ain't going back to that. But, but Jesus said, it's not good to take the children's bread and cast it to the little dogs. But you got to understand something. Let me, let me share something with you. There are two, two Greek words for dogs. When, when he uses the word, the little dogs here, there's two Greek words for dogs. One Greek word is, is for a cur dog, for a pack of wild dogs. It's for a, a dog that's vicious and mean and travels in packs and... You know, they're, they're mangy and they're flea-bitten and they're, uh, they're, they'll bite you. 
if they got an opportunity. That's one Greek word for dog. But the other, the other Greek word for a dog means a family pet or a little puppy. How many's got a family puppy or dog or pet? I know most a lot of people do. And um, but it's but it's the word for that little puppy or that family pet. And so literally, here's what that's the word Jesus used to this woman when he said, "It's not proper. It's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs." He was saying literally, it's not right to take the children's bread or the children's meal and give it to the family pet. Now, you know. It would be like preparing a meal and your kids are around the table and you take George's plate and say, you're not eating today. I'm giving your plate to Lola, which is their little dog. And uh, that wouldn't be, Jesus said, that's not good. You could probably get arrested for doing that. Not feeding your kid and giving the little pet, the dog, your children's food. Now, am I making any sense? You know what I'm saying here. And, uh, you know, so that's what he was saying. You don't take the children's food and feed it to the family pet. But, listen to me, saints. If you have ever had a dog. How many of you have ever had a, had a house dog? Raise your hand. Let me see. Everybody have, have you got a family pet or have had a house dog? If you've ever had a dog, we have had all of our life. We've had many of them. Amen. And uh, we, if you've ever had a dog, you know this. You know that every dog has a mandate from God that any food that hits the floor is theirs. Is that right? Huh? I mean, that's a mandate from God. If something hits that, you got your plate on the table, but if it hits that floor, it's mine. Praise God. It's mine. We had our, you know, that's the way Dolly was. You know, our dog, little dog Dolly. And, uh, you know, she would come. Oh, when we'd get around that, that dining room table and begin to eat, there she, where was Dolly at? You didn't have to call her. You didn't have to worry about it. She's right under that table because she's claiming her property. Anything you drop or anything you just decide to slip under that table. I'm claiming it. It is mine. It belongs to me. Amen? Any crumb that comes. And see, this is what this woman here, this woman picked up on what Jesus was saying. And I believe Jesus told her this because Jesus knew she was going to get it. And she replied. Here's what she replied. He said, it's not right to take, it's not good to take the children's food. You know, he was telling her, you're not actually in the covenant. You're not a child. You're one of those little family pet dogs that's under the table and it's not right to take the children's food and give it to the dogs and she picked up on that and she said yeah that's true Lord but you know what even those little dogs hallelujah even those little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table I believe Jesus smiled at her and said you got it girl you know exactly what I'm trying to say and you know what she was saying to the Lord she was saying Lord even a tiny little left over. Yeah, I may be that family pet. I may be that little dog under the table. I'm not asking for a full loaf of bread. I'm not asking for a full plate full. But Lord, I believe that either a tiny little leftover is enough to heal my daughter. I'm not asking you for a whole meal. All I need is just a little bit of your power. All I need is just a little bit of a crumb. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you what. We got an almighty God today. But just a crumb here just a crumb just a crumb set a demon possessed girl free and you are the children of God sitting at the table you can have the whole meal the whole kitten caboodle you don't have to leave here without today cause you are in the family and sitting around the table and that healing and that deliverance and that victory is for the children and for the family do you believe that bought and paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ oh hallelujah she said I just need a crumb and she see she had that determination she was going to keep praying she was going to keep on she was not going to give up and you know what she got her answer I'm seeing that excited about three or four people but she got her answer 
Oh, hallelujah. What was Jesus' response when she said, Just some crumbs, Lord. That's all I need. I'll be on my way. But I'm claiming my place under the table. And I know your disciples are not getting everything that's coming to them. And I'll take the leftovers of what they don't want. And Jesus looked at her. And he said, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you today, Mom? Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you? Let it be to you as you desire. And it said, and her daughter was healed. Her daughter was healed. Her daughter was healed from that very hour. Jesus didn't even have to go to her house. Jesus didn't even have to rebuke the devil. He didn't have to bind and he didn't have to loose. All he had to do was just speak it and say it was done. And she was healed. Because great is your faith. Oh, I'm looking at some people today. I believe that's got some faith. I believe I've got, I've got some folks here in this congregation that have made up your mind. I'm going to get what God has promised to me. I'm not giving up. I'm going to receive the answer to my prayers. Amen. Man, when Jesus said to them, great is your faith, or said to her, great is your faith, I'm going to give you what you're desire. I believe that was a jaw-dropping moment. For his disciples. I can see them just. What? Great is her faith. I mean we're the elect chosen few here. It's with Jesus all the time. And all Jesus ever said to them was. Oh ye of a little faith. (laughs) Why are you doubting? Amen. Amen. Here they are, this Gentile mom. Jesus looks at her and says, great is your faith. Great is your faith. She didn't have a promise. She didn't have covenant rights. But yet she gets an answer to her prayer, and her daughter is totally delivered. What a turnaround. What a turnaround. What was it, ladies and gentlemen? It was her persistence, her tenacity. Her commitment to keep on. When the door was shut in her face, she kept on knocking. When she didn't get an answer, she knocked another time. Come on, is, is anybody getting what I'm saying? Amen? She just kept on. When Christ, when the Lord calls her a little dog, well, you know, she just picked up what he said like a little dog would pick up his master's stick that play and fetch, and she just brings it back to his feet and lays it back down. We had, we had, a, we had a, a, a poodle one time, man, and I'm telling you, he was, he was, he was obsessed. He, had the, he was possessed with the demon of fetch. I don't care. You know, anybody could come. He wanted to play all the time, just fetch and bring it back. And anybody would come to our house and visit us. I mean, I mean, he would go get that little ball or toy or whatever, and he'd bring it, and he'd set it right between their feet, and he'd just sit down there and look at them, throw that. He's saying, throw that. I'm going to go get it. Amen. And that's basically what this, that's, that's basically what this, little, this little mama did. Amen. Jesus said to her, you know what? You're just a little dog. You, you, you're not even a part of the family, and she just carries it back to him. And lays it at his feet and said, oh, yeah, I know, I know, but I just want a crumb. Just give me one of the crumbs that fall from your table. Hallelujah. She had such a faith that she knew that she was not, she was determined she was not going to go home without the answer to her prayer. Her philosophy was, I'm not leaving, I'm not giving up, I'm not quitting until my daughter is healed. It was like Jacob of old when he rested with God hallelujah there on the other side of that of that brook and he wrestled with God all night long and in the wee hours of the morning the Lord said let me go for the day is breaking and Jacob said I will not let you go until you bless me my God that's got to be the faith that we have today we quit too soon we give up too easy we let the devil talk us out of our victory and our answer to prayer. Get a hold of God like this woman and do not let go until.
praise the Lord today. It's a mama, it's a mother that will not give up. That's the kind of persistence we need when the answer is delayed. We keep on praying. We keep on seeking. We keep on knocking. This woman, hang with me now. You don't have to come back tonight. You got all afternoon, so listen to me. I'm I'm trying to get through. This is a Pentecostal church, and I am allowed five closings. That's just the rules of Pentecost. (laughs) But she was an intercessor. This mama was an intercessor. Can you see that? What's an intercessor? An intercessor is somebody that stands in the gap for another with persistence. They won't stop. They'll not give up, but they continue to pray. Let me tell you something today, moms and dads, but this is Mother's Day. Let me tell you, moms, if you have a son or a daughter or a husband that's not saved, don't give up praying for them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Don't give up. Keep on praying. Just stay with it. Be like this mama. Because I'm going to tell you something. They can escape your presence, but they cannot escape your prayers. I'm going to say that again. They can stay away from you. They can shun you. They can have nothing to do with you. They cannot come around you. They can escape your presence. And many times they do because that's what convicts them a lot of times. But they cannot escape your prayers. J. Sidlow Baxter, a great theologian, made this statement one time. And he said, men may spurn our appeals. They may neglect our message. They may oppose our arguments and despise our persons. But they are helpless against our prayers. Oh, hallelujah. So what am I saying? Don't let the devil whisper in your ear and say, well, it's too late for them. Don't let the devil tell you that, well, you know, they're too set in their ways. They're never going to come around. I'm going to tell you something about the devil you already know, but I'm going to remind you that the devil is a liar. He's the father of lies. Don't listen to what he has to say. I'm going to tell you something today what God is saying. God wants to save your family. Are you hearing me? I said God wants to save your children. God wants to save your grandchildren. He's not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. And what he's telling you to do is be like this little mama and get in that place of intercession and keep it up until you see a change in their lives. I'm going to tell you something today, ladies and gentlemen. It may not look that it's like it's doing any good. My mom prayed for me. My grandma prayed for me. My grandma invited me to church every Sunday, every time that I got it, that she talked to me. Are you coming to church today? And I got a little hateful sometimes and I said, no, don't talk to me about that. I don't want to hear anything about it. Amen. I'm not going. Quit praying for me. But I'm going to tell you that was a sign. You know what that was a sign of? The Holy Ghost was doing a work on the inside of me. I couldn't run from the prayers of my grandma. I couldn't run from the prayers of my mom. I couldn't run from the prayers of my cousin sitting back here that were praying and interceding for me and wouldn't give up on me and I'm so glad that they wouldn't give up cause I'm here preaching this message today cause somebody interceded for an old backslider come on and give him praise <laughs> hallelujah is it alright to shout on Mother's Day praise God is it alright to lose your dignity Oh, hallelujah. Praying, believing, and interceding. Let me tell you something. That motherly love, you can't get away from it. It's hard to match the love of a mama, and especially one that knows Jesus. And that is praying. I read this story this week. Found it on a website. But it happened in 1988. About 6 a.m. on a Wednesday morning. 
James Lawson of Running Springs, California, left his home to apply for a job. About an hour later, his 36-year-old wife, Patsy, left for her fifth-grade teaching job in the Riverside, California School District. And she left with her two children, five-year-old Susan and two-year-old Gerald. She was to drop those babies off at the babysitters and then go on to work. But unfortunately, they never did get that far. For eight and a half hours later, the man, James, found his wife and his daughter dead in their wrecked car. It was upside down in a cold mountain stream. His two-year-old son was just barely alive in the 48-degree water. But in that death, the character of a mother was revealed in a powerful way. Because when that father scrambled down that cliff to what he was sure were the cries of his dying wife, he found his wife locked in death, holding her little boy's head just above the water in the submerged car. For eight and a half hours, Patsy Lawson held, had held her beloved toddler afloat and she had finally died. And with her body almost frozen in death in that position of self-giving love, she's holding her baby up to breathe. She died so that her toddler might live. That is the essence of a mother's love that would give herself for her child. The perseverance to save that little one, even if it meant her dying herself. And that is the kind of love God has for us to give himself so that we could be saved. That's the kind of commitment that we need in prayer. That I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm going to keep praying just like this woman here. This mom who when Jesus wouldn't talk to her. When Jesus ignored her. When Jesus said I'm not sent to you. When Jesus said you're just a little dog. When all of that was against her. This woman who said no I'm not leaving until I get what I came for. That's the kind of perseverance and commitment that the Lord's looking for in your life. My cousin's here this morning and we just, we just did her son's funeral. You, this church had been praying for Benji in our prayer meetings and our services had been praying for him. And Erlene had prayed for this son and both of her sons, Benji and Jeremy, they're twins and prayed for him for 44 years, raised him in church, and I'm not going to preach my funeral message. You should have been there. But I preached a message God gave me on the prodigal son. Never preached that at a funeral before. But uh, she prayed for him and raised him in church, raised both those boys in church. And, but, but, but Benji drifted from the Lord. He got away from God, and he was a prodigal. He had left the father's house went into the far country. But Erlene never stopped praying for that wayward son. She never stopped praying. Even when it looked like he didn't want anything to do with God. But here, just a few months before he died, he told his mom, he said, I need to get saved. God... God was working. Are you hearing me? So you, you got, we got parents here today. You got, you got family members. You got children that are not saved. And I'm trying to tell you, be like this mama here in this Bible. Erlene continued to pray and continued to pray, continued to pray. And he got to the place where he couldn't communicate much. And I've told the story here. I told it at the funeral how he acknowledged to us he acknowledged to several people that he had made things right with the Lord. But the point that I'm making is this. Is that like that prodigal, Benji came to his senses and he came back to the Lord. It was just not long before he died. But the thing is, 
he had a mama that wouldn't give up. He had a mama that kept interceding and kept praying. As I said, pray, she prayed for me. She, pray, she told me when I was away from the Lord, she'd get my picture down and pray in tongues and pray in the Holy Ghost over my picture. I'm telling you, listen to me, prayer works. Mama's prayers mean something to God. They're powerful. You don't know, Mom, how powerful those prayers are, but they are very, very powerful. This Syrophoenician woman believed God, and God moved and delivered her daughter. So listen, listen. Worship team, come on. Is this my first, second, third, or fourth closing? I don't even, I've lost track. This is it. Praise God. Let me tell you something. On this Mother's Day, this world, as I said a while ago, we're in a mess. Our nation's in a mess. Our school system's in a mess. The whole educational system is in a mess. I pray for these young young people that are leaving high school and going into college where they may have to face professors that the majority of them are atheists and are dead set on trying to dissuade young people from their faith. And especially if they find out, oh, they're a Christian, I've got something for them, all right. We need to pray for these young people, that their faith be strong and intercede for them. That that what's been poured into them and what's been taught them from the Word of God will stay there. But if you've got a loved one, a a son or a daughter that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, don't give up praying and believing. Let me add that. Praying and believing and interceding for them. Because God wants them to be saved. Amen? Oh, what it might be too late. It's never too late. God wants them to be saved. He's not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. Maybe it's a husband. God wants them to be saved. And wife, mom, ladies, don't give up. Don't give up. Let's bow our heads today. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you for the gift of eternal life and for the mercy that you've given us. I'm asking you today, Lord, to minister to hearts and lives in this service. If there's one in this service that needs Jesus, turn them around, turn them to you. I lift up all of the parents this morning and the moms here and the dads these families that have prodigals, wayward children that are away from you God 